this is your strange and beautiful life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and on my podcast, I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. And today, my guest is me, Erica J. Schmidt. So I'm going to give you an update on my dating podcast project. We're going to talk a little bit about gratitude lists. And there's a listener question from my gurus a drunk. So just in time for the holidays, we have a listener who is concerned about her mentor's drinking problem. And then we are going to wrap up the podcast for 2023. All this and more after a quick break. Okay, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, I'm back. And as promised, I have an update on my dating podcast project. So back in September for episode 12, I recorded a blind first date with a friend of a friend named Amir. And Amir and I asked each other a series of riveting and personal and mildly invasive questions such as, Describe your most embarrassing and horrible dating experiences ever. Yeah, we had guacamole. I mean, it was probably in my best interest. I was a little undernourished at the time. But then I, we made out. It was fun, whatever. But then I gave him a blow. Before or after? After lunch, after the guacamole. Okay. And like, I like, I like the puke came out. Like I had... <laughs> And, and to be honest, this ha- has happened more than once because like, I don't know if you want to know this about me, Amir, but I had a pretty serious eating disorder. I'm an excellent eater now. Well, I wouldn't say excellent, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay now, but like, anyways, this happens that like, uh, like it'll come up and I'm like, my mouth is full on his cock. And I was like, <laughs> so that's, so that's kind of embarrassing. embarrassing. I mean, it all worked out. He had like a 25 minute orgasm, like not like after later on we did something else, you know? Uh, So I thought that was a bit embarrassing. What about you? Do you have a controversial opinion that might upset people? Okay, I mean, okay, so for being honest here, I I think, so I I have generally a very progressive job. I I have a very progressive group of friends. I do think sometimes uh, progressive causes um, have gotten a bit out of hand, Mm. uh, whether it's uh, around race, whether it's around climate change, and I work in climate change. This mm-hmm. is my job. And you're also not white, too. And I, I my, yeah, Amir is, I, I hope, is a giveaway for others. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think uh, things around racism and, you know, also, you know, things around, um, I, this is, this one is maybe a little bit more controversial. I think in Montreal, um, there's a lot of, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this. Uh, when it comes to, uh, women's rights i feel like montreal is like really ahead of the pack globally Mm -hmm. and i think when it comes to gender there's a lot of global issues worldwide that i think merit a little bit more focus than the ones that we see here so i think uh again not to dismiss what people 
experience in any of those causes. But I think sometimes I, I get a little bit frustrated with lack of perspective around specific micro examples of how, how these manifest themselves. Why are you single right now? And do you think there is a dysfunctional reason for this? I, and it's very cliche and lots of girls do this, but I like always, I am drawn to people who are very unavailable, like just, and I don't know if it was because like in Halifax, I had my first real heartbreak, like the first guy I broke up with and I was like, oh, it's sad, right? And then this is the sort of thing you're probably not supposed to say on a first date, but but then after that, I had um, I went to public funded therapy. My eleventh therapist, his name was Vincent, and I had that thing where you fell in love with your therapist. Oh wow! Really hard, like just like. And you might be surprised or not to hear that this conversation did not materialize into a beautiful love story. But people loved the episode. If you haven't listened yet, it's episode 12. And yeah, there were lots of listeners and I thought, oh goody, I can start my own reality dating podcast. And so I tried to get more people to come on the podcast for a first date. And how that went was just about nobody wanted to. I had two dudes from my network who said yes. Uh, they were both in performance and I thought, oh, perfect. They're going to be super funny. But then they changed their mind. I think what happened is they started seeing people. Uh, they got girlfriends. So that's wonderful. Ha happy for them. Uh, so then I went on the hunt on Facebook dating and I would look for people who had mutual friends with me, and then I would get my friends to vet them. And I'd be like, hey, nice profile. Do you want to come on a first date podcast episode with a stranger? It's going to be really fun. And I remember I approached this one guy. He was also a performer. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe he'll be up for it. And what he said was, Oh, wow, I've been used before, but never for content. And yeah, it turns out it just wasn't his thing. And it turns out it's, it's just, it's not a lot of people's thing. It's really hard to start a reality podcast show from scratch. Like if you think of shows like The Bachelor, they have the reach of network television. They have thousands of applicants, months of screening. And like, I just don't have those kind of resources at this point. And my announcement is, I think that First Date with Amir, episode 12, is going to be a one-hit wonder. There was talk about this mysterious stranger named Philippe. So I met Philippe on Facebook Dating. He is 51, cute, athletic, Buddhist, meditates 60 to 90 minutes a day, but he has lots of lovely qualities. Uh, he seemed very committed to personal growth. He seemed like a very kind, gentle, heart-centered, and deep person. Uh, a little serious, but we, we had a nice time together. We went on three dates. We gave it a good old college try. And on the second date, we recorded an episode and I edited it. I started to mix the episode. I asked Philippe for his official feedback on the recording process, what it was like to date me, 
I had my own commentary. I had real-time voice memos to my sisters and my friends that I sent like before and after all the dates. And it was going to be so juicy. And then I re-listened to the recording and I thought a lot about it. And I am not going to publish the episode. It feels radically personal without packing the same punch as my first date with Amir did. I think that Amir and I, we got into this performative mode. We're just like, what the hell? Here we are. First date. It's an adventure. Maybe there was less pressure because it was a first date and we were like legitimately strangers. But I felt like the stakes were a bit higher with Philippe. So we we had ended up making out after the first date and we were sending each other messages and we were taking the time to get to know each other. And I guess what I find is that with this reality dating podcasting situation, it's hard to pull off without like dissociating a bit and and kind of objectifying like both yourself and, and the other person. And I didn't feel good about this. So at the risk of not going viral, I'm going to try out something new called privacy. So there will be no episode of my second date with Philippe. Uh, That said, I will share with you some of the feedback that Philippe generously sent me. Uh, (laughs) He said that I talked so much that he wondered if I was actually interested in him or interested in dating at all. (laughs) And listening to the recording, I feel like maybe he has a point. Um, So I'm just going to play an excerpt from one of my many very long monologues from our second date. I really think I'm my best self as a a platonic friend. I really think that I am a good friend. Mm. And I'm not sure I am a good partner. Uh, It's because it's been a while. I'm a little, I'm nervous about it. But I, I do, I just... I I cherish my friends and I have so much fun with them and I just I'm I I'm just worried about someone new fucking that up and like someone just, new fucking that yeah, up yeah like I just I, I I feel like and I also I think that I think I do have some ADHD tendencies I definitely have anxiety but for me logistics are like take up a, a lot of space in my head in terms of like planning and mm. like I have a pretty clear routine with friends like we meet the Mm. same day right Mm -hmm. and i and it's like that i think that's wonderful yeah but it's like it's like a it's it's a delicate balance a little bit and i am nervous about disrupting Mm. the equilibrium Mm. of my life which Mm -hmm. i mean whatever i've i've i think we've talked about our brokenness but like i i had like probably six months of 2023 have been sort of like not quite on the floor but almost on the floor pretty Mm. depressed Mm -hmm. i'm just coming out of that and i'm just like Mm. i i'm like I'm worried about a shift sort of like wrecking it, you know Uh what I mean? And I think I, I have lost myself in like all consuming uh, friendships too and, and relationships. And I I just like, I want to be able to like keep making my podcast. I want to be able to like still flourish and thrive, even if I'm in a relationship. And I think Mm -hmm. I associate being in a relationship with like losing yourself and getting a bit boring and not pursuing your interests. Mm. So I'm mm. I'm nervous about that. And so I can find a whole long list of reasons why it's better not to be in a relationship. So yeah, it feels like I talked for about 45 minutes about all the reasons why I am terrified about being in a relationship and why friendship and being single is way better. And listening to this, I wondered, like, Erica, what what are you doing with this first date podcast? Like, 
it seemed like maybe a diversion so that like at least it looked like I was trying to get into a relationship, even though I kind of preferred being single. And yeah, it was like, Erica, are you just using people for content? But as fate would have it, I have, I have a surprise for you. Um, it, it was a surprise for me too. Uh, so recently I have stepped down as a fervent member of the single is way better club because, oh my gosh, it's like, it's a miracle. I, I, but I, I met somebody and so here's the, here's the beautiful, here's the beautiful love story. So one day I was supposed to meet a friend for dinner, but I came down with a case of the hiccups and everybody hates eating when they have the hiccups, right? So I'm just like, Hey, we can't go to the restaurant right now. I have the hiccups. So my friend's like, okay, we'll just chill. We'll just chill on my street. So we're just like chilling on a bench. And along comes this dude from my high school, okay? Like for real from 20 years ago. And I was like, hi, oh, hi, it's me. Um, and, <laughs> and so we caught up and it turns out that he plays a guitar and I play the ukulele. And we were like, oh, we should play music together. And we did that weekend and he came over and we played bluegrass and gospel songs and when he left I was like huh but I was like okay maybe that's just what you feel when you play music with people uh but then we kept like having our little jams every weekend for like a month or two and I kept telling my friends oh yeah it's just like it's so cozy and soothing to be with someone who knew you from like a million years ago and then one Saturday, we had grilled cheese and like a really hot conversation about sobriety. And then we had our band practice. And so we're like rocking out on Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones. And I just got this feeling like, Erica, a cozy friendship is not going to cut it here. And so, yeah, it's super new. Like my heart, my heart is fluttering as I tell you this. It's, it's early days. We're taking it slow. We're going for like racy Victorian. Like we, we write each other these exquisite epistles. And yeah, like once, once the letter started, I was like, yeah, come on. Like, no, I'm, I'm a goner. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's a dream. I, I hope I hope you know what it's like. And this dude does not share my sense of exhibitionism. So I'm I'm gonna try to be discreet. And so you're probably not gonna hear that much about it. Uh, but I mean, what a beautiful and fun surprise to round out the year with. And ten out of ten. Um, okay. Well, I'm I I hope I hope I don't become like too boring because I'm in a relationship. Uh, but. All this is to say that the first date podcast project is canceled because I got the hiccups and ran into this dreamy dude from my high school on the street. And I'm so happy. Okay, that's 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 it. Okay, uh, that's my update. Okay, <laughs> next thing. Okay, see you on the other side. All right. And now for everyone's favorite topic, gratitude lists. I like to call them grat lists. So if you have ever struggled with your mental health, 
You might have gotten so desperate that all of a sudden you are downloading podcasts by motivational speakers who would otherwise make you cringe, but you feel so terrible that suddenly you're like, sure, optimize my bedtime, optimize my morning routine, my menstrual cycle, my lymphatic system, all of it, optimize all of it. For example, maybe the motivational speakers told you to make a bulletproof coffee. Have you ever made one of these? Okay, this this involves putting an egg, whipping an egg, a raw egg into your coffee. Like this is disgusting, but maybe you did it. I did this once because I just wanted to feel better. And that's that's beautiful. Uh, but something else that the motivational speakers and probably Oprah will tell you is you must make a gratitude list, a grat list, right? So at the end of the day, you're supposed to write down three things you're grateful for. And so this is so that you focus more on the things in your life that are not devastating. So you write down, I don't know, my friend sent me a funny meme. It made me laugh. I liked my coffee, my regular non-bulletproof coffee. Um, I was riding down the hill on my bike and I felt free for like 17 seconds. And there's supposed to be some sort of magical, all chemical thing that will just like naturally encourage you to see the positive going forwards. Rather than dwelling on the fact that, I don't know, like there's black mold on your bathroom ceiling, maybe you're in love with your 11th therapist, and you have like $47 to last you for the rest of your life. So logical, excellent, okay, makes sense, I guess. Uh, but I find that if you are in the throes of a serious mental health crisis, a gratitude list can sometimes make you feel worse. Like I remember I was 17 years old and I was hospitalized for the second time for my eating disorder. And I was in the craft room decorating an Ikea picture frame with colored tissue paper. And there was this lady, this volunteer, and she was like, oh, why are you here? And I was like, well, you know, like a delicious combination of anorexia and puking in various locations. And the volunteer replied, wow, it's, it's so amazing how we have these problems in this part of the world, you know, like... In other countries, they don't even have food, right? Like people, there's so much poverty in the world. And over there, parents are just doing everything for their children just to, just to get a chance. And like in the West, we, we have so much to be thankful for. And my fingers are all covered in this like glittery Mod Podge and, and tissue paper. And I'm like, God, right. Like I, I should be thankful. I'm, I'm not the single mother of a starving, dying baby with cancer and no legs, but like I'm still in pain here. I, I, I'm still suffering. And I felt pretty shitty after, after that incident. Uh, and I remember another time I was 32 years old and I had to, I had to come off Prozac for a, a number of reasons. And I was truly, I was truly a mess, uh, really one of the hardest mental health episodes of my life. And I used to go see this social worker named Maxime. And Maxime would always have me write down my goals on fuchsia post-its and usually Maxime would pick the goals and some examples were eat lunch, take a nap. And of course, one of the goals at one of the sessions was write three things you are grateful for every day. 
Uh, and like Maxime drew smiley faces on the post-it notes. It was, it was very optimistic. Uh, Maxime was super optimistic, but I was like, Maxime, I have no will to live. This isn't working. And how I feel is when things are really terrible mental health wise, I tend to fail the grat list and I feel really bad about it. Like, you know, I'll try to write down my things and I'm just like, ugh, like it just, ugh, no. And here we are going into the holidays and let's say things are, you know, kind of mediocre to horrendous for you, mental health rise, like this week, this month, even if you're just having a real shit fest of a day and you're like, okay, I got to make a gratitude list. And you're just like, ugh, no, I can't. Um, and you, I just, and you, and you feel bad. I, I just, I don't want you to feel bad because like maybe a grat list is just not your thing right now. And, and that's okay. Maybe, maybe you need to do something else. Maybe, maybe you need to find a dog to walk. Maybe you need to write a fringe show, start, start a podcast, learn to play the ukulele on YouTube, paint your kitchen a festive color, lie on the floor and read all of Judy Bloom's greatest hits, lie on the floor and do nothing, break up with your boyfriend, wash your windows, get a new job, or just slack off really hard on the job you already have. You could also get a Zoloft prescription or microdose on mushrooms by a pink poinsettia or two. Maybe you need to quit intermittent fasting and eat breakfast at 7.30 a.m. Worth a shot. But sometimes to feel better, you just, you just have to wait. Like sometimes you have to wait like seven months, 11 months, 18 months. But as someone who has waited a very long time to feel better more than once, I want to promise you that it is worth the wait, whatever it takes. And when you feel better, you can write your grat list and you can send it to me on Instagram at erica.j.schmidt. But meanwhile, I wanted to share with you the first grat list I ever wrote uh, maybe you remember from episode one of This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life and approximately every other sentence that comes out of my mouth, but I skipped grade two and I've just been trying to catch up ever, ever since. But in grade one, I was in Mrs. Vandenbosch's class and it was a big highlight and I adored Mrs. Vandenbosch and I would write her adoring letters every day. Um, old habits die hard. I love letters. And here's one of them. You ready? Written in June of 1991. Dear Mrs. Vanden Bosch, I love you very much. I am very happy here. I like it here, but I have always missed my old friend since I moved. I like to ride my bike. I like to skip. I like to swim. I like school. I like everything here. And guess what I like the best? I like the people. I like to go to Miss Whitker's room. That was the gifted child room. I like to play outside. I like to read. I like to print. I like to count. I like to plant flowers. I like the baby animals. I like the birds. 
I like the baby lambs. I like to do crafts. I like lost of things. My world is just the way I like it. Mrs. Vandenbosch, you are so nice to me. My friends are nice to me too. I like the people in the neighborhood. I like to sing songs. And I like you. I like to go to school. School is fun. Love, Erica. My world is just the way I like it. Put that on your fridge, kids. Okay, so now we're ready for our listener question. Remember, you can send me your dilemma or quandary to my Instagram account at erica.j.schmidt or you can contact me via my website at erikajschmidt.com slash contact. Okay. Dear Erica, I'm worried my mentor has a drinking problem. I work in self-help and motivational speaking. With my mentor's support, I've climbed to the top of my field, close to where she is. As my career has grown, my mentor has invited me to bigger events in the industry, and we've started to hang out more as friends and colleagues, uh, rather than as mentor-mentee. This is when I started to notice that she drinks way more than I realized. She's always making jokes about needing a drink, and she's always the first one to get to the bar. I noticed that at the end of several events, she's slurry and sloppy, which I find surprising because she is known for her work in optimizing habits and self-empowerment. I wonder if she likes grat lists. A couple weekends ago, I'm quite sure she had at least six drinks or more at a function. Then she came over to my house, drank an entire bottle of wine, and when I said I was out of white, she said, okay, that's okay, I'll switch to red, and then she drank four more glasses. She basically passed out on my couch. I had to accompany her in an Uber to make sure she got home okay. I checked in with her the next day, and it was like nothing had happened. We are all free to make our own choices, but this and recent experiences have really changed how I see my mentor both as a role model and as a person I want to spend my time with. That said, I know this is just one element of her life. Maybe she is going through a hard time and it is a cry for help. But she goes around preaching about how she's cracked existence with her winning routines and systems. The dissonance feels real and I don't know what to make of it. Should I confront her? Express my concern? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Love, my guru's a drunk. Okay, dear my gurus a drunk. All right, so on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, we have talked a great deal about how alcohol is overrated in Erica J. Schmidt's opinion, but I think that a lot of my guests kind of shared that opinion, but a lot of other people in the outside world do not share this opinion. People love drinking. They just like, they can't really stop. They don't really want to stop. And I can see how this is a very awkward situation for you. And it's also disillusioning because like, even though I'm sure that you've always realized that your mentor is a regular human being with regular flaws, it's very easy in the sort of motivational speaker, empowerment, leadership community to put people on pedestals. And you probably see the people around you online in your community also putting her on a pedestal. And there's something so jarring 
when somebody's insides are just such a contrast with what they present to the rest of the world. Like it's kind of, I don't know, it, make, like it, makes, you, it makes you feel kind of sick, to be honest. And that said, it can be valuable and also a relief and also like just really obvious to see that the greatest influencers and leaders and maybe especially the greatest influencers and leaders are just people, right? And I think you need to approach this human to human. I think you're right to express your concern with her behavior. Her behavior was concerning, like just at any age, just getting blackout drunk like that, like that quantity of alcohol. This is not like it's not minor. Uh, but with addictions, people tend to get very defensive. So like, of course, you want to not seem judgmental. So this is not my strength, but do your best to be neutral and tactful. And so write out what you want to say. Guaranteed your speech will not come out as you planned, but give it a go and focus on the fact. Just be like, hey, I had to escort you home in an Uber the other night. I was really worried about you. Do you, do you remember those? So facts and also clear questions. So like, do you find that you're drinking more than usual? Like, is something going on? Like, what, what's what's happening? Are you under a lot of pressure with work? You know, if you have any sort of ideas of what might be triggering her drinking, just ask very specific questions. And you'll see right away if she's transparent and, like, open to changing or not. And so if she admits that it's it's getting to be a problem for her, then you can offer her support. You can, like... Look up meetings that she could go to. You could offer yourself as her like sober buddy or whatever at functions. Like you could just be like, hey, you could have a signal for when you need to go take five. I don't know, like pull your ears or something and you guys can go find a little hiding spot and like go get a kombucha or something like this. But if your mentor seems like she's in denial, there's really not much that you can do because we have learned from other listener questions that... We cannot change people. This is very frustrating, but it's just not possible or healthy. It's, it's not healthy to try to change people. But maybe you would rather not uh, watch your mentor slurring and staggering through your corporate events or whatever these festivities are. And it's not your job to make sure she gets home safely in a taxi. So you have the right to put a limit on the role that alcohol will play in your time together. So if she comes to your house and you feel like she's had enough to drink, you can just tell her, hey, I think I think that's enough for tonight. Do you want a snack? Do you want me to call a cab? You can say, hey, I was really uncomfortable with your drinking last time. Like just just so you know, if it gets to that point again, I'm going to need to leave. And you can draw a harder line than that. I know that my friend Brene Brown did this once with one of her neighbors. So this neighbor seems like she was an alcoholic. And one year at Brene's Christmas party, it got really messy. And the following year, Brene said, hey, you know what? I would love to see you at this year's Christmas party. But this time around, there's not going to be any alcohol. And if you want to come, then you have to respect that. And the woman got really angry and she didn't come. And I mean, it's likely she continued to drink for many years, but it sends a certain message and it takes a lot of these little messages for people to wake up. And maybe eventually Brene Brown's neighbor will be compelled to stop drinking. 
But I mean, if it's not your event, if you're going to an event together, you can't really control whether or not alcohol is served. But if you really don't like this person's drinking, you can set a boundary and say, you can say, hey, I really value this connection, but I cannot spend time with you when you are drinking. Uh, So if you choose to drink, I will not be able to sit at your table. But yeah, I get that this is delicate for you. My guru's a junk, my dear friend. And hopefully your guru will be able to wake up to the fact that her drinking has become problematic And maybe she'll be able to realize that she's running away from something and she'll be able to use her optimization tools to really face that and and come out on the other side. And I mean, this can happen in a flash, but it can also take a really long time. And meanwhile, you may find that there is some grief and loss in the fact that your mentor is not available to you in the way that she once was. But it sounds like you have gotten a lot out of this connection and this drinking issue might not be permanent, but either way, I think that your instinct is right to share your concern. And I think your mentor is lucky to have someone who cares for her and is able to see the nuance in this situation. So yeah, she's, she's trained you well. And yeah, I mean, good luck to you. Good luck to everyone um, as we come upon the holidays and alcohol is so central. I mean, just do your best and yeah, let us, let us know how it goes. Okay. Okay. So for today's half bad ukulele segment, you might have mixed feelings about this, uh, especially if you have a small child who is obsessed with certain Disney musicals. But I am hoping to release this episode in time for Winter Solstice 2023 on December 21st. And so Winter Solstice means the darkest day of the year is here, and it's never going to be this dark again. Today's the darkest. And from now on, we're just going to get more and more light. It's just going to get lighter and lighter. And so... What an auspicious time to let go of everything you don't need anymore and to sing Let It Go from Frozen with Erica J. Schmidt. So we're going to sing the first verse, chorus, then I think the last verse and the chorus. Um, You're going to be able to figure it out. And thank you so much for singing along. Okay, you ready? Here we go. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. Kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm a queen. The wind is howling like the swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good girl you've always had to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know But now they know Let it go, let it go Can't hold it back anymore Let it go, let it go Turn away and slam the door I don't care what they're going to say Let the storm rage on Cold never bothered me anyways Funny how some distance 
makes everything seem small And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free Let it go, let it go I'm one with the wind and sky Let it go, let it go You'll never see me cry Here I stand in the light of day Let the storm rage on The cold never bothered me anyway (laughs) That was really fun. I hope you sang along and... A shout out to my YouTube ukulele teachers, the ukulele teacher, Katie from One Music School, Cynthia Lynn, and Lisa from the Ukulele Fool, and there's many others, but thank you so much for your generous content. Like these people, they put out so many free tutorials, song sheets, and I would not have been able to learn the ukulele without these wonderful people. So yeah, right up there on the grat list. And that's a wrap for This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life 2023, season one, I guess. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your likes, follows, your enthusiastic reviews. And thank you to all of my incredible guests. 2023 was not the easiest year, but we are on an upswing now. And even when the rest of life felt kind of terrible, The podcast has brought me such, oh, okay, Uh, okay, I'm crying just a little bit, but the podcast has brought me such deep joy, and it has been a cherished outlet, and as Elizabeth Gilbert might have predicted, I am not the same person I was when I started, and I can't wait to bring you more interviews, more episodes, more fabulous guests, and meanwhile, the podcast is right at the top of my grat list, as are all my guests and you, my most exquisite listeners. I could not ask for, oh my goodness, I'm teary. Um, I, I could not ask for a more loyal and generous group of fans. I love you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you as always to Tess Levitt, Sherwin Tijia, and the dearly departed Eileen Gunn. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and I'll be back at you in 2024. But before I go, let's sing the theme song loud and proud. You ready? This is your strange and beautiful life. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Love you. Love you. Bye.